Welcome to another podcast from Planet Shakers Church. For details on campus locations and service times, check out planetshakers.com. Today we've got Pastor Rudy Nickarud speaking on faith in the middle. Let's check it out. I want to preach to you today who's ready for the Word. I've simply called the thought today, faith in the middle. Faith in the middle. There we go. Faith in the middle. In the middle between red and blue. It's kind of more like a teal, isn't it? That was not by my design, I'll have you know. That's a political joke for everyone who didn't get it. Um, I want to read to you from Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Are you ready for the Word? Well, why do we stand to our feet in honour of the Word of God? This is, this is a bit of a passage and I'd love us to just take this in and honour God's Word this morning. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 says this, Jesus got in the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around Him on the shore. When a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, he, he saw Jesus and He fell at His feet, pleading fervently with Him. My little daughter is dying, He said. Please come and lay your hands on her, heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, thronging, says the New King James, crowding around him. That's a good word. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she'd gotten worse. She'd heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch His robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realised at once that healing power had gone out from Him. So He turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my robe? But His disciples said, Look at the crowds pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But He kept on looking around to see who had done it. And then the frightened woman, uh, trembling at the realisation of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of Him and told Him what she had done. And He said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There is no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at Him. But He made them all leave. And He took the girl's father and mother and the three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And holding her hand, He said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, arise, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then He told them to give her something to eat. Somebody say faith in the middle. Come on, like you have faith in the middle. Would you say faith in the middle? Come on, like you really believe it. Say faith in the middle. Let's pray a long prayer. God, help us today. Amen. Faith in the middle. Are you ready for the Word? You can be seated. You can be seated. You can also, you are seated. You can take a seat somewhere else. I'll call you back soon. I want want us for a moment to go 
way back, way, way, way back, all the way back to the beginning when Adam and Eve were in the garden. They were living in perfect harmony, enjoying life with their Heavenly Father. And as the story tells us, sin entered the world through one choice. Through a choice they made, sin came in. And with sin came all manner of things, darkness, shame, sickness, and ultimately death. And that was always the desire of the devil. John 10.10 tells us that the enemy comes only to steal, kill and destroy. He doesn't come for anything else. He comes only to steal, kill and destroy. You will never have a positive interaction with the devil. He comes only to steal, kill and destroy. But I came, Jesus saying this, that they may have life and have it abundantly. And there is the great contrast, the contrast between the devil wanting death and destruction and God wanting life and abundance. These words life, life means real and genuine, active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed, blessed in this world, but yes, after the resurrection also. So if Jesus just said, I came to bring life, that's a pretty good signing life already. But just in case we didn't get the point, he's, He puts an abundant on top of it and says, just in case that kind of life is not good enough, how about abundant, meaning over and above, more than is necessary, exceeding abundantly, supremely, further, more, much more, superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon, remarkable and excellent. These are all words straight out of Bible dictionary. That is exactly what these words that Jesus was saying meant. This is the kind of life that He came that we could have. I wonder if you'd ask yourself this morning, is that the kind of life you're experiencing today? That's the kind of life that He brings. That's why He came. But just like sin came into this world through a choice, this life is a choice. Deuteronomy says this, today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by fulfilling multiple rules every single day and being a perfect person. That's not what it says. It says you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And understand that this choice is not a choice between choosing this life and choosing a different life. The Bible paints the picture very clearly. This choice is a choice between choosing life and choosing death. Because ultimately, without God, we are stuck in our sin. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. That can only lead to death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, it's not that if you make the wrong choices, God is going around killing people. Oh, <laughs> you chose wrong. Pew, pew. That's not what's going on here. In fact, what's going on is that if we are not with God, we are missing out on life itself. The Bible says in John 1, 4, that in Him was life. See, when we choose God, we choose life. One of my favourite Scriptures in the Bible, 1 John chapter 5 says this, this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son, God's Son does not have life. 
And that is it right there. The key to life is having Jesus in your heart. That's, that is it. And when you have Jesus in your heart, you have access to this life, this exceeding, abundantly excellent and amazing life. It is found in Jesus. And over and over throughout the Word of God, we see this contrast between life and death, between God and the devil, between His ways and between God's ways. The promise of eternal abundant life in Jesus. See, life is not found in our personal successes. Life is not found in possessions or achievements. Life is not found in wealth or experiences. Those things are wonderful, but those things are not the source of life. Life, true life, is only found in Jesus Christ. Anyone believe that this morning? Come on, somebody shout, faith in the middle. Faith in the middle, life, life, it's a choice. See, in our family, we've had a few contrasting life and death things happen over the past 12 months or almost 12 months ago. Our twins were born and uh, it's kind of crazy to me that they're almost 12 months old already. And uh, just a a week after they were born, one of them was diagnosed uh, with a particular condition and the doctors said, if you don't treat this properly, your child will be severely retarded. Then because of a particular pandemic, they decided that they wouldn't see us for seven months. And so there we were, not trained medically, trying to deal with this condition properly, not knowing what we were doing, facing this crazy diagnosis. A Couple of months later, our other twin suffered from internal bleeding and then we had to work that out. Around about the same time, my brother and his wife were pregnant and she started having issues in her pregnancy. So many issues, doctors told her, you should just abort this child. It's not worth going forward with it. But she ended up giving birth 26 weeks into her pregnancy, incredibly early. The baby was literally no bigger than my hand. And this little girl fought and fought and fought and fought. And around Christmas time, she was discharged after having overcome every single obstacle that life had thrown at her in just a few short months. A couple of months after that though, she was back in hospital fighting for her life again. The doctors had to resuscitate her four times just to keep her alive and eventually stopped her lungs and put her on life support. Around about the same time, my dad was diagnosed with an aggressive growth in his brain and a few weeks after the diagnosis, he passed away. All in, the, all in this short space of 12 months, it's been like bam, 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 bam. Things going on in our world. And I wanna tell you, it's good to know when you're going through stuff, what your source is. Because you'll recognise very quickly that your source of life is not the stuff around you that you gotta have something greater and something deeper to call upon. You see, there are some fundamentals that you wanna have deep down in your spirit before you get yourself caught in a storm. Fundamentals such as, where will I find my life? That's important to understand so you don't go searching at the wrong source. Fundamentals like, where do I get my worth from? If you get your worth from looking at the cross and seeing how much He paid from you, that's a great thing to solidify you through a storm. But if you're getting your worth from somewhere else, you'll find very quickly that that will not sustain you through a storm. Fundamentals like, where do I encounter love? Because if you don't understand where you can encounter perfect love, you're gonna go searching in all the wrong places when you find yourself in a hard time and you're gonna get yourself in a whole lot of trouble not understanding where true love is found. Things like, where is my refuge? You wanna know where you're gonna run to when you gotta run somewhere. 
You see, it's important to know these things before you find yourself in a storm. Because storms would love to shake your faith. Some storms are crazy. I'm not talking about the kind of storm where you find yourself in a mall on a Saturday and you're praying to God for a park and He doesn't provide you one and you start doubting His entire existence. That's not the kind of storm I'm talking about. See, there are storms that are a little bit crazier than that in life. We can learn a lot from our text today in this this character we meet called Jairus. This is the kind of moment he found himself in life. It's the kind of storm he found himself in. Now Jairus in one sense is, is a little bit of a bad example because he didn't have these fundamentals down. But he can at least teach us some of these things that we should know because in desperation, we see him make some brilliant decisions. First thing we see him do is that he came to Jesus. That's a good thing to do. See, this was a huge showing of desperation. We learn about Jairus, that Jairus was a religious leader. He was a rabbi. And for him to come to a different rabbi, an unauthorised rabbi, an unauthorised teacher in Jesus, de- desperation will make you throw your pride away. Desperation will, will, will humble you. And, and you will find yourself in a position where if you run to the right source, you are positioning yourself for a miracle. And in his desperation, he didn't understand everything, but he threw aside title. He threw aside his pride. He threw aside his authority because he didn't know everything, but he recognised there was something greater in the authority of Jesus. And so he came and he humbled himself at the feet of Jesus. And I love what we see here is Jesus didn't get into a theological debate. Why didn't you come to me earlier? Do you believe everything that I'm teaching? You were saying some things that maybe are interpreting this. Let's go through the Old Testament together and see if your beliefs line up with Jesus isn't giving him a test and a grade. See, the arms of God are always open wide for us to run into. And Jesus takes this man and responds with grace and compassion. But along this way, you see this desperate father ran to Jesus because his daughter was busy dying. But along the way, they get interrupted. And and I've often thought about this story and this interruption, whether if I was Jairus, if I would start to complain to Jesus and say, Jesus, this woman's just bleeding, but my daughter's dying. Like you can come back to her, but my situation is more desperate. Have you ever found yourself praying that way? Grading your problems against someone else's and saying, God, you need to answer mine first because they can wait another day for their miracle. My miracle, I need you to answer it on my timeline. But He doesn't do that. What happens is Jesus encounters this woman who is broke, suffering, tired, And you got to understand about her situation is if she was busy bleeding and she'd been that way for 20 years, uh, she she would have been on the outside of society, an outcast. But she broke through the societal norms of her day, the norms that would have classified her as unclean. She wasn't meant to be anywhere near a crowd. But we see in this story that she pushes through the crowd, pushes past all of those norms in her desperation. And in her encounter, again, Jesus doesn't take some religious high stance and say, how dare you come close to me because your uncleanness is getting on me. No, no, no. He understood what people in that crowd that day didn't understand, that His power was greater than the uncleanness in her. His ability to make her clean trumped her uncleanness that brought her into His presence. And in one touch, she was miraculously healed. That's the power of Jesus. 
We know how the story goes. We read it. See, I also wonder if in that moment, maybe Jairus' faith was stirred because he's just seen the power of God move in this woman's life. He's seen a miracle. He's like, well, I need a miracle over here. And so if if he's done a miracle here, well, maybe he can do one for me over here. See, the the, the place where they were located was a, a place called Capernaum. And it was a city that by those days standards was quite large in our standards is is minuscule. It was a city of about 1,500 people. And and he was a desperate father. So of course he knew his daughter, but he was also a religious leader, letting people know when they were clean or unclean. So I wonder if he knew this woman's plight. I wonder if maybe that's why he kept his mouth shut because he knew her journey. He knew all of the things that she'd fought through. And as a religious leader with not much authority, he didn't have the authority to to heal her, but he had the authority to pronounce her unclean. And so he knew the journey she'd been on and the pain that she found herself in. And we find ourselves at this point in the middle, in the crossroads of the story. Because he's gone to Jesus in desperation and he's seen this woman push through the crowd and she'd received her healing and maybe he even knew her journey, but there they were waiting for his miracle. And it was this moment that people, friends appear to Jairus and tell him, there's no need for you to bother Jesus anymore. Your daughter has died. And here we see a contrast two choices that he can make, a juxtaposition of opinions, one, one opinion of his friends, people he knows well saying, your daughter is dead, don't worry with Jesus anymore. And Jesus in response saying, don't be afraid, just have faith. Jairus had a choice to make. Which voice would he listen to? Would he listen to the voice of death, which was factual? Or would he listen to the voice of life, which was wrapped up in truth. That was the choice that he had to make in this moment. And and, and I recognise in this moment and in this exchange, we never hear of Jairus saying anything. We don't hear of him responding in none of the Gospel accounts or translations. We don't hear him saying a word. Evidently, he went with Jesus, but we don't hear him saying anything. And, And sometimes in life, we don't necessarily have the words to say or the faith to put something in the, in, into words. Some of the storms that we find ourselves in, we don't necessarily know what to say to those storms, but sometimes all we can do is keep walking because we might not know what to say and we don't know what to declare, but we know deep inside that if we just keep walking with Jesus, at least we're in the right place and at least we're with the right person. We don't always know how every storm will pan out, but we do know who our source is. And we do know who the answer is, even if we can't put it into words. And something powerful happened in this moment that as Jairus made his choice to choose Jesus, Jesus stepped in and did something that we all can learn from. He began to exclude voices that weren't gonna add faith to the moment. He excluded the crowd. He excluded some of the disciples. Who knows why? Maybe he decided their faith wasn't ready for this moment. And then he got to the house where this little girl was lying dead. He excluded the crowd again. You see, sometimes you need to exclude certain voices when you're walking through something because they're not gonna help you stay in faith. Not every voice in your life is gonna help build your faith. Not every voice you encounter online is gonna build your faith. Not every headline is gonna build you up. Sometimes you gotta make the wise decision, I'm going to cut some voices out in this moment. It doesn't mean you cut people off, but sometimes it means you cut them out of certain areas of your journey. 
chance that I'm going to get you to come back. And it's also at this point in the story that we find out that this little girl is 12 years old. Now I find that another juxtaposition because we find out that this woman with the issue of blood has been bleeding for 12 years and this little girl is 12 years old. And so while this woman with the issue of blood has been busy losing life for 12 years, this little girl has been busy living her life for 12 years. One busy living, the other slowly dying. And it wasn't just that she was bleeding. So I discovered something that to me is fascinating and maybe everyone else already knows this, but when my wife was pregnant, and every one of her pregnancies has been girls, ironically, when she was pregnant with girls, in the little baby that was forming in her womb, inside those little girls was every egg that they would ever, that they would ever produce. So inside of my wife was not just one child, but inside of that child was every potential for life that she would ever have. So inside, was not just a life, but generations. And so when this woman was busy bleeding, she was busy losing life and losing generations and losing a family line. See, the Bible says that in Leviticus 17, the life of every living thing is in the blood. So while the little girl was busy living, the woman was busy dying. Everything going right for one and everything going wrong for another. See, sometimes life feels this way. You're walking through difficulty, but you look around and you just see everyone else is blessed. Thriving while you're struggling, living while you're dying. And as if to prove a point, when this woman gets her healing, she goes from being busy dying to encountering life. It was in that moment of exchange that this little girl who had been busy living died. And it's almost as if some sort of cosmic scale determined that there was only so much good to go around. And with the tables turned, it was this woman's turn for her to, to, to th things to go right and things to go very wrong for this little girl. That's why you can feel like in life sometimes. It's like, oh, well, it's my turn for things to go good. So they're going bad and, and vice versa. And some people have these superstitious beliefs. But I wanna point out to you something in this moment. We never ever see Jesus run. He was never in a hurry. Nothing that he ever encountered in this journey ever stressed him out or made him think, oh no, I'm running out of time. I mean, for goodness sake, he created time itself. So he was never stressed or worried because he knew something that they didn't know, that there was more than enough power and more than enough goodness and more than enough life. And if he was there, then it was gonna end up good because if it's not good yet, he's not done yet. God is not a finite resource. God is not limited in power. If He did it for them, He can do it for you. And sometimes we need to learn that God is both great and good. God's greatness is displayed in His power to do anything. There is no obstacle, no challenge, no storm, no sickness, no sin that is greater than the power of God. That's good, that's one thing. So it is good and important to recognise that God is great, but you've got to understand that God is also good. It's not that just He can do those things. It's that He will chase you down with His goodness to bring goodness into your life as well. So again, I say, if you're going through something and it's not good yet, God's not done yet. You've got to just keep walking.
If you don't know what to say, you can just say Jesus and keep on walking. And we see in this story, this little girl is raised back to life by Jesus. Life over death. The greatest thing that Jesus displayed in His victory on the cross wasn't the power of good over bad, even though that was fantastic. It was the power of life over death. And that is the message of Christ. It's the message of life. And I shouldn't neglect the final detail of the story that after she encountered Jesus and was raised to life, they gave her something to eat because after a church service, it is always a good time to eat. Why do you think we put so much goodness into our cafe? That's the story of contrasts. One woman dying while another little girl lives. Then the woman starts living while the little girl starts dying. And it's the story of choices, a choice to believe the voices of death or to believe the one that is speaking life. Do not fear, just believe. And in the middle, this man Jairus, a leader of his home and a leader in his community, humbled at the feet of Jesus in desperation and watching these juxtaposing life stories intersect while being thrown in a position where he has to choose life. See, you can be the most powerful leader in the world. There will still be things you can't control. Situations that are outside of your ability to control. But today, my question to you, what will you choose? Will you choose life today? Will you choose to come to Him as your source? Because it takes faith when you're in the middle. You've got to protect your faith. You've got to exclude voices that dilute and diminish your faith. And you might not know exactly how certain things in your life are going to pan out. But my stirring to you, my encouragement to you today is that you would not settle, not to stay where you are. Like Jesus said to Jairus, don't fear, just believe. Don't fear, just believe that today I wanna stir your faith, Planet Shakers. There are some people in this room, you need to be stirred to believe and believe again, to choose life. You might not have all the answers, that's okay. Just keep walking, just keep believing. Our God is a God of no limits. Our God is a God of the supernatural. There is nothing too hard for our God. So all over this room, I wanna invite you to stand to your feet and close your eyes for just a moment. Because I wanna speak to the faith inside of you. I wanna stir you up that there would not be one area of our life that we would settle in. You might not have the answers, but that's okay. You don't necessarily need them. God didn't call us to a life of understanding. He called us to a life of faith. Do not fear, just believe. Do not fear, just believe. You might not understand what you're going through. Don't fear, just believe. You might not understand why you let that dream die. Do not fear, just believe. You might not understand why you're walking through what you want. Do not fear, just believe. You might not understand why your prayers weren't answered the way you thought that. Do not fear fear. Just believe. Do not fear. Just believe. Just believe. So today, I wonder if you'd open your heart to Him. I wonder if you'd allow Him to stir up faith again. See, I believe in this service that I'm speaking to people that You've allowed things to settle in your faith and you've allowed things to settle in your life and you're in church this morning and you're still believing God. So it's not like you're backsitting, but there are areas of your faith where you knew that God was calling you for more, but because you didn't understand what you were walking through, maybe in that area, 
you stop walking. Today I wonder, would you open your heart to Him again? Would you take that step of faith? Would you reach out and grab a hold of Him again? Would you stop listening to the voices that are shouting facts and declaring death? And would you start listening to the voice that is truth, that is declaring life? Do not fear, just believe. Do not fear, just believe. Because Planet Shakers, God wants to pour out His supernatural in your life. There is no limitation to Him. There is no finiteness to His resources. There is no limit on how much He loves you. There is no limit on the life He wants to bring in you and through you. So today, if you would just believe, I know that there are miracles on the other the side of your walking. Today, if you would just believe, I know that there are miracles on the other side of that step that He's calling you to make. Come on, would you step out in faith today and say, God, I believe. God, I believe. God, I believe. Hey, it's been so great that you've been able to join us today. I hope that your faith is filled. If you have any prayer requests or you want to connect with us any further at Planet Shakers, why don't you be a part?